Hello and welcome back to the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast, Episode 5. It's just me today. I've I've had an episode planned for a while with somebody, with a special guest. Um, but it, it didn't end up working out. And so it's just me today. It's just me on the pod. It has has been a while. I think March 7th was the last episode. And I do apologize for that. I'm busy. I probably could have done one or two maybe in that time span. But I want to do one today that's not too long. It's it's kind of it'll it'll be a little bit long, but like probably keep it around the 30 minute range somewhere in there. And I want to talk about in our two segments today where not necessarily the Kansas State game, but where Kentucky basketball is as a program. Because the state of the program means more to me than the game did. The game hurt to lose, but that ultimately changes the state of the program. And I want to see how – I want to share how I feel about the state of the program. And then in the second segment – I'm going to just review the first round, some crazy upsets, talk about my Sweet 16 predictions. We'll You'll probably get another episode Sunday, hopefully, while some games are still going on after they finish, stuff like that. So, with that being said, I'll see you in the first segment. This is the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast, Episode 5. Welcome back to Segment 2. I'm your host, Jace Howard. This is the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast, Episode 5. And this segment's going to be focused on the state of Kentucky basketball. And when I say that, I mean the position that Kentucky's program is in right now. Because the loss to Kansas State hurt. But I think it was really a loss that showed where this program is now. Like, in a sense of, we, Marcus Noel, we couldn't handle him. We didn't adjust to it in the first half, or in the sec, going out of halftime. And we, and we got, that's, that's how we got beat. We didn't have, we didn't play a good offense. And we didn't. We just didn't feel like it – it didn't feel like it was our night. And and it really wasn't. I mean, Reeves going 0 for 14 is something that as fans and even the coach, a lot of this has been on Cal, but he couldn't control. I mean, he couldn't – I mean, Reeves didn't miss those shots on purpose. Cal can't control if Reeves is going to make those shots. So it's hard to say – to put that blame on one person. Sometimes it feels like we can put it on Cal. But other times, it's like we, as fans, can't put it on Cal, so then we put it on a player. And the problem is with doing that is that these players sometimes, and Reeves, this is not the case with Reeves, but sometimes these players are told to do stuff that, they maybe think it's wrong, they don't want to do, but they want to play, so they still do it. 
<clears throat> sorry. And maybe it's, and maybe, you know, we're looking at this from the wrong perspective in the sense of maybe the players have to do something that doesn't make them look good. On a podcast, on um, Bill Simmons' podcast, they said that they give Kentucky players an extra knock or maybe a little bit extra room in the sense, like, they give them a little bit extra breathing room. Like, they can mess up a little bit more. Or they, in college, they they watch Kentucky players, but if Kentucky players don't have a good game, they don't take it as harshly maybe as if another team's player had a good game, say Duke or something, because they don't feel like Calipari uses them in the right way. So that it's it's hard to hear as a Kentucky fan because there and there's multiple examples like Johnny Juzang. He all he did was stand in the corner and shoot threes. Where did he go? UCLA. Where was he there? A star who was in national the player the player of the year talks led his team to the final four. I mean, one of the best players in college basketball. But why why not here? Because he wasn't used right. He he simply wasn't. It goes back to what Kellen Grady said last year. Oh, I'm just gonna go stand in my corner. You know, there's like we don't want him to just go stand in the corner. There's so much more he could have done. Maybe not like ran the point guard, created his own shot, but he could have ran some sets and stuff, which is frustrating to hear because your players are openly saying that they that they're not getting played that they're not playing or how they feel is the right way or in the right position or so. And as a coach, how how are you supposed to take that? One, there's two ways. You can say, it's my way or the highway. You play how I want you to. And if you really like this game, you'll play. Or you adjust to how maybe they should play, say. And I don't disagree with all of Cal's choices like I I mean there are other ways I feel players could be used that are per se better maybe like switching Wallace to the point guard for example but I don't feel like like these players aren't aren't being used terribly like Johnny Juzang is honestly a rarity because he didn't even come here as like a super high class recruit. Like Johnny Juzang's kind of a, I guess you could say, an outlier in all of this data per se. So it's hard to like use him as an example, but like Kellen Grady, who said he's just going to stand in his corner, like he's basically saying that. You know, he's just going to go stand in his corner, do nothing, do what Cal tells him to, is how I see that. And maybe that's not how he meant that comment to be, but that's what it sounds like. And when you have players openly saying that, it gives a bad rep for you and a bad rep for your team. And I want to go back to the point where I said this, this, Kansas State game was a reflection of how the past 
three years have been. Because, like I said, Noel lit us up, Marcus Noel, and we didn't adjust to it, and we played an old style, and that's what I want to say. These past three years, who has been the one consistent driving problem these past three years? The players have changed. Some of the players didn't change this year, but most of the players changed from the 8-16 and 16 year with Brandon Boston to this year. So what, who is the one consistent person in that mix? Even the coaches changed. From, they went from Kenny Payne, guys like that, to Chin Coleman to Ortega. Who is the one person who you can point fingers to as the consistent outlier? And it's, it's Calipari. It's John Calipari. That's the one person who you can point fingers at as the outlier. So we haven't adjusted, you could say, to how Cal, we haven't adjusted and got maybe someone different. And I know before, no one's, there's no comments on the show, but I hear people all the time who say they want to get rid of Cal. I listen to KSR. I hear I hear people all the time say they want to get rid of Cal, but there's one simple issue. And if you listen to KSR, which if you like Kentucky, I would 100% do. If you listen to KSR, they say all the time, Cal's buyout next year is $35 million. Kentucky's not scrapping up $35 million to get rid of a guy who won them a national championship. Whether his past three years have been mediocre, probably less than mediocre. So whether whether they feel like that, like they should get rid of him, I don't even know if they can. Like unless I start a GoFundMe for to get rid of Cal. Like I mean, and I don't like they're not gonna do that. Like that's but I don't know how they would one scounger up all this money to get rid of him. And two like, he's, I think Cal, if he's going to leave, is going to have to leave on his own terms, which sucks, which really sucks for us. I really think that maybe, maybe the university doesn't want him there, want him there, but I, they haven't adjusted and gotten a new coach or even said anything to him like, hey, this is not acceptable, which you would think as a coach, you would know, hey, this is beginning to get not acceptable. But it feels like Calipari's not done no self-reflection. He hasn't thought about, hey, maybe I should change this, change that. I mean, and and the fact that we we played old basketball. It was new basketball versus old basketball. It really was. I mean, Kansas State went 0 for 12 from 3. All their points were either layups or free throws. Matt Jones tweeted out a shot chart. And we are over here feeding the post and taking long twos. You know what that is? That's 2000s basketball. Not even. That's like 2005 basketball versus 2023 basketball. Where even as a team, you're, you went 0 for 12 from 3 in the first half. Guess how many they shot in the second half? Nine. 
And they went over 12 in the first half. You can't convince me that 10, not 10 years ago, would a team not have shot another three the rest of the game. So, and they went five for eight to their credit. They made the shots when they needed to make the shots, and we didn't. And that's kind of been a, I guess you could say, a theme all season. Kansas, close game, battled it out to the end, got it where we needed to. They made the shots. We didn't make the shots. Vanderbilt, at home, should have won that game. Got it dragged out, got it to where we needed to. They made the shots. We didn't make the shots. It's been a theme all year. It really has. Whether you want to believe that or not, it has. Which is why, I mean, I, I thought Kansas State, I thought we had that in the bag, man. I really did. Going in the last media timeout, I was pumped. I was like, we're going to the Sweet 16. Cal's still going to be on the fence, but less less likely to leave. And they made the shots, and, and we did it. But the, the the old basketball, we took so many long twos that are unnecessary. The NBA, there was a stat, and it said, 45% of your shots should be three-pointers, right? 45% of your shots should be at the rim, and 10% should be long twos. I just want to let that stat sink in. 10% should be long twos. We took way more than 10% long twos. There's literally just no need. They're two points versus you step back, I don't know, a not eight, yeah, eight or nine feet, three or four feet, depending, and hit a three. Like, why not do that? You get one extra point. One extra point. And you don't have to fight as hard for it. In my opinion, you know, threes, people don't guard as hard. You got them on an island down there. You got a bunch of trees you got to go through. You don't have to fight as hard for that shot. So why not take it? And they said it should be more in college basketball because the three-point line's closer. So why not take that shot? It, it just doesn't make sense. And it's And I don't know if it's the players, like, oh, we should take this shot, or if it's Cal and he's like, and he's been more open to shooting threes. I'm not criticizing him on that in that sense. But but what is it? Like, why, why are these guys deciding to take long twos all of a sudden? It's like no other team in the country does it. But then here's Kentucky, and we're like, oh, Jacob Toppin dribble in the lane. Oh, spin move. Oh, shoot it. Like, you know, why are we taking those? And I get Jacob Toppin can make it, but why are we taking those? Like, the shots Oscar takes. Like, dude, don't shoot them. Either shoot them and take, I don't know, two steps out, or don't shoot them at all. There's no – and because he's not down there to get the rebound. One more on the topic of Oscar, I just – I want really want to give, like, an applaud to him because he – he was really probably the only reason we won that Providence game. I mean, 25 rebounds is ridiculous. We will never see another rebounder like that. I mean, maybe never, but probably not for a while. Because as the game evolves, people start making more shots, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But 
I I just think Oscar can be good. It's just he touched the ball too much in the Kansas State game. He really did. We tried to feed the post too much. That was another reason our offense was so stagnant. What team feeds the post in college basketball? The let's just let's just go through the one seeds. I don't count Purdue. Purdue sucks. Whatever. But let's just go through the teams that we see in college basketball is probably the higher standard teams. Alabama. What do they do? They shoot threes. They're really good at threes, and they have one guy, Brandon Miller, who will take people off the bounce and stuff, and they do use their post sometimes. Sometimes. Houston. They they play they use their guards. Marcus Sasser. Um they they just they use their guards. Same thing with Alabama. Javon Quinterly, Brandon Miller. They use their guards. And Kansas. Kansas uses guards. I mean, think about it. Damian Harris. Um Kevin McCuller. Um Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, those are four guys right there who are not their center, and those got four guys score a lot and provide a lot for their team. Which is why I don't get why we keep doing this. Feed the ball in. Feed the ball in. Put, like, it, it, just, it doesn't work, and it, it hasn't worked. It really hasn't. Oscar also does not have the talent. I'm sorry. If Oscar goes in the first round, I Oscar is not going to be a first-round pick. I'm, I'll go on the record and say Oscar is not going to be a first-round pick because I don't think that he has the talent, like, for the NBA. He can, He's not a good – he can't defend anybody. He's sure he's a good rebounder, but when he's going up against guys who are seven foot a lot, he struggled with taller guys. Oscar Shibway will play in the NBA, but it it won't be as a top five pick, like or even a first round pick at that. So why go to him, utilize him? Kaysen Wallace is who we should be running our offense through, or Antonio Reeves or Jacob Toppin. Those Jacob Toppin and Chris Livingston and Kaysen Wallace are the three guys on this team who have NBA. Talent and I, and the other guys are very good basketball players. I'm not saying that. Then they all could play in the NBA, but Kaysen Wallace, Chris Livingston, and Jacob Toppin have NBA bodies, NBA talent. And none of those three guys. Look, I'll pull up our leading scores. Okay, here's our leading scores through the season. Shebway, Reeves, Toppin, Wallace, Wheeler, Livingston. So, our best three players were three, four, and six out of the top six scores on our team. Now, Severe Wheeler's a little skewed because he didn't play as much, but, and Livingston ended up coming on. So, we'll say out of the top five scores, they're the lowest three, Reeves and Sheboy. And I don't think, and I think Reeves has NBA talent, just not this year. Like, but, however, Antonio Reeves could be, 
an offense run through. My point is, Oscar Sheboy should not be our leading scorer. Like, not at least not in this day and age. Now, back in the day, yes, 100%. He'd be a top 10 pick, but not right now. And that's where this program is. It's trying to play old basketball with a coach who is not willing to adapt. And maybe next year they'll fix it. They have a bunch of – next year is a Cal team. They're a bunch of athletic guys who are just going to come in and beat your man one-on-one. And he's – and who knows? Here's my concern. Yes, these guys will probably be able to beat their man one-on-one and guard. And people are like, well, these guys can't shoot. But I'm sorry, they're going to be top – some of these dudes are going to be top 10 picks in the NBA. They're going to be able to shoot the ball because everyone, if you go to the NBA, you have to be able to shoot the ball. They're going to be able to shoot the ball. But my thing is, this team can win, but will we get run out on – will we get run out? Like, will we get run out of the gym by a team who spreads the floor and just shoots threes? Because if Cal's not willing to adapt – then the players can't do anything. Like, the players can't help the style of offense Cal plays. As much as they want to voice their concern, maybe, they can't help. Same thing with the assistant coaches. They probably don't feel comfortable enough to voice their concern. So, and I think Kentucky next year has to at least get to the Elite Eight, probably. Maybe the Sweet 16. But you have to get out of the first weekend. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you're a 10 seed. You have to get out of the first weekend of the tournament next year. Well, 10 seed wouldn't even. I think you have to be a top four seed and get out to the Elite Eight for Cal to keep his job secured. If he wants to be on the fence, just get out of the first weekend and be a top four seed. If he wants to lose his job, he probably would have to be less than a six seed and lose in the first weekend, would be my guess. But it's – right now, Calipari is just not, not good. Like, it really isn't. And so unless they make a change soon, I don't, I don't know – what what will happen with this program. I think next year could be good, but also I'm I'm not I want to be excited for next year and normally I would, but it's the same story over and over. Oh, we have these recruits. Oh, we have these returners. Oh. Like Chris Livingston, sophomore Chris Livingston, I need to see. I want him to be back. Reeves I would like to be back. Sheway, Toppin, Frederick they can all go. They can say, I can say bye. I couldn't care. But I, it's going to be the same story. It's the same story this year. Oh, we got Oscar back. We got Severe back. We got these two McDonald's All-Americans. We got two great shooters. How good could this team be? Uh, they lost in the first weekend. Yeah. So I don't want to get through that cycle next year. I don't want it to be like, Oh, we got this recruit. We got this recruit. We got sophomore Chris Livingston and Antonio Reeves. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. For them to maybe just suck. And who knows? Maybe they'll be number one next year and win it all. Whatever. But I don't I don't want to get excited. And 
it made me really sad. Not that we lost, but that, you know, five years ago, me, even even the team that really sucked, the 8-16 and 16 team, when we really sucked, I cried. I cried, okay? I don't care. I cried because we lost that game to Mississippi State. I cried. And you know what I did this time? And last year against St. Peter's, I was at Boone's Trace Clubhouse watching it. I went outside and, like, laid on the ground or something and cried. I don't know. I couldn't get over that loss. You know what I did this year? I went in my playroom. I played basketball. Didn't even watch the end of the game. And that that hurts me. That hurts my heart. The, because Kentucky fans should care more than that. They really should. But with that being said, I want to wrap this up by saying, if Kentucky doesn't fix their offense next year and fix – Maybe they're coaching, depending on how next year goes. It could be a dumpster fire. But I think the state of this program is mediocre right now. And in order to get it back to where it needs to be, we have to win next year. And this has been segment one of episode five of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Peace. Welcome to the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast, and I am revamped for this segment two of episode five of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. I am just not over, I'm just overjoyed to do this, to do this segment because I've never, I've never done a March Madness show, not, not like a live show, but I've never done a March Madness segment or something. So, and it's one of my favorite things to do. So it's just, I'm just so happy to do this, especially after last segment. Um, that was, um, that was a little bit depressing. So I'm gonna try to make this one a lot more fun, just a lot more free. That one was kind of very passionate and depressing it felt like so I hope this one's just a little more free and loose and have some fun with it but I did want to point out one stat just go back to Kentucky for one second because I just remembered this one stat and and I won't talk about it because I already talked about it over there because I want to leave you all thinking about this but Calipari's win percentage over the past three years has been 53 percent not good but the man that we ran off Billy Gillespie's winning percentage was 59%. And I'm going to leave you with that. And you can interpret that any way you want to, but I'm going to leave it at that. So, run at the reset button. March Madness, and I kid you not, has this been one of the craziest years? I think, I mean, definitely since I've been alive, because I've been alive for 13 years, you know. I've been alive that long. But this has been one of the craziest March Madnesses. Guess that would be the plural term? I don't know. This has been one of the craziest tournaments, I think, probably ever. I mean, 
two one seeds went out in the first two rounds. One to the Fairly Dickens to Fairly Dickinson, man. Let's go Fairly Dickinson. I, I now the Kansas upset. I would have rather that not happen because I I think I mean at that point though I think everyone's bracket was busted after Furman beat Virginia, which there were some people who had that upset. But I was not one of them. Um, and the weird part about that game, so I was in school, actually, so I didn't get to watch it. Uh, yeah, I snuck my phone out. Um, so I did I did get to watch some of it. It was, to be fair, though, we weren't doing any work. I was not, like, being mischievous. But we, it was, it was, a weird game in the sense of Kihei Clark got the ball and he had it. It was in. He had the ball. It was with like two seconds, not two seconds. There's a little bit more, probably around seven seconds to go or probably 15 seconds. He got the ball, got trapped, had a timeout, could have thrown it off their legs. He chucked the ball up the court. Furman, purple uniforms, grabs the ball, kicks it out, right wing, bang! Gets the three, wins it, and bye-bye to Virginia because they know a lot about first-round upsets. The first one seed to get beat by a 16 seed, shout-out to UMBC 2018, March Madness, which brings me to Purdue FDU, baby. And I didn't get to watch this game, and I would 100% would have but Kentucky was playing. So I was flipping. We were flipping the channels, watching some of it. And, man, I think the biggest thing for that game was Zach Eady looked like more of a cancer than a help. I mean, that dude's hands are so big, but they're like they're like bricks. Like, Sheboy's hands are like pillows. Like, he catches everything. He's strong. And then Zach Eady who's like 7'2", his hands are like bricks. Like, he would grab the ball, and I kid you not, it would just fall out of his hands. Like, he was just more of a cancer than a help, especially because he didn't score a lot, and <clears throat> so on and so forth. But where th those were just two upsets in the first round that happened, and I want to say this, too. And Arizona and Princeton, that's crazy. But here's the thing. No one had heard of Fairleigh Dickinson. Just like no one heard of St. Peter's. I'm sorry, but no one heard of St. Peter's. No one heard of Fairleigh Dickinson. So, but people have heard of Princeton. But I want to point out this stat, too. This will be the third straight year that a 15C has made it to the Sweet 16. That's kind of a crazy stat, in my opinion. So you know what I'm doing next year on my bracket? I'm picking a 15 seed to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Nah. But but I might. You know? Who knows? I might. I could. But see, here's the crazy thing is, and I said next year, this is what I want to do. I want to do one bracket that I pick logically. I want to do one bracket where I take a quarter coin, whatever, and flip it for every single game, except for the one seed games. 
see who see which one's better. Who knows which who knows which one would be better? More than likely, the logical one, I would hope. But this year, some of my brackets in ESPN that I did, I did a 25 bracket, 25k challenge. I don't even know if it even happened yet. Probably not. But I did it just because why not? And I did some auto pick ones. I mean, some of them were crazy. They had 16 seeds winning. One of them had Furman winning. I mean, some crazy stuff. But some of them after the first day, I was like, well, these are doing better than my normal brackets. And I want to point this stat out. That's like, you in. So I saw this when reading an article on CBS Sports that. If I were to, this is just an estimate. So it is an estimate that about 7.5 quintillion grains of sand are on the earth. The odds of picking a perfect bracket were like 9.2 quintillion to 1. Now this is without any basketball knowledge. Just picking teams, you know. So what interests me was... You had a better chance, and who knows, this is just something I heard, it could be completely false, but it was written on an article, that you have a better chance of randomly, of someone randomly selecting one grain of sand, and you picking exactly where that sand goes across the world, across the sand. That is absolutely insane. I mean, one, you don't even think that's possible. Two, that just puts into perspective how crazy picking a perfect bracket would be. So I thought that was just a neat little stat. So, but I do want to seriously talk about this tournament. And I just want to highlight some of the first round games that I thought were good games. Or, not good games, but rather... Big games. Princeton and Arizona, we went over that. Purdue, FDU, we went over that. And I want to highlight the Tennessee-Louisiana game because Tennessee, and I did not have school Friday. That was a help because I actually got to watch some of it. But Tennessee held on to the win 58-55. And if I'm being honest, I was not very convinced and high on Tennessee coming into this tournament. Well, to be fair, I'm never high on Tennessee. Like, who wants them to win? Like, here's my thing. I like Duke fans better than Tennessee fans. Like, I don't know. Duke fans just seem more like calm and cool and collected. And then you get those Tennessee fans in the Rocky Mountains all jacked up on whiskey. Yeah, Tennessee fans are best. And we're Tennessee, and we're going to win it all. Like, no one wants to listen to that. Like, I don't want Tennessee to win, and to be fair, I was not very high on them. So, Louisiana, I thought maybe could pull that out. I watched some of that game. Tennessee pulled it out to their credit. And then they went on and beat Duke in the second round, which I watched that game too, and it was a very interesting game. It felt like through the first half, Duke had control. 
And then in the second half, the control shifted, and it shifted to Tennessee. And it seemed like Duke, when they had the control of the game, didn't put their foot on the gas. They kind of – if we're talking about this through a car perspective, Duke was at six, 60 in the slow lane on the interstate, and they were in control. Tennessee was the backseat. And then it seemed like that Tennessee, when they got control of the game, were – when they got control of the game – they were they put their foot on the gas and they were going 80 in the fast lane and duke was in the back seat and i thought that that was a representation of how this tournament had went because it seemed like in certain games and i'll highlight kansas arkansas was kansas had their foot on the gas in the first half and they then kind of not gave up, but let Arkansas kind of creep back in. And then they ended up losing. And I think and I think that was huge because Kansas, it seemed, was a good team. It seemed like they could go all the way. I had them picked in some of my brackets. But I just – I felt like with Kansas, you know, they they could win it all, but then they could lose. And without Bill Self, that really hurt. But like I said, it, it seemed like Kansas didn't put their foot on the gas when they needed to, and Arkansas did, and they came back in the game, and they won the game. Next game I want to talk about – which that was in the second round, so we're just kind of skipping around here, was Miami, Indiana. And Miami went on an absolute tear and beat Indiana. Indiana, I'm sorry. I want to say the score is 85 to 60, and I can't see it. It might have been 85 69. Can't really make out if that's a zero or a nine. But either way, it was a big, it was a 16-point win or a 20-point or a 15-point win. No, what? Yeah, no, a 25-point win or a 16-point win. So to see that happen, from a four and a five game was crazy. I was actually very high on Indiana. I thought, you know, there was a chance that, not that they won it, but I mean, I guess they could, but rather there was a chance that they could have ended up going to the final four. Because I felt like that they were a really good team who, with Trace Jackson Davis, beat Purdue twice on their own floor. I felt like Tennessee had a chance – or not Tennessee, sorry. I felt like Indiana had a chance to go all the way, and they had the right tools. But I also want to talk about Alabama, who I'm sure a lot of you pick to win in your bracket, and I would be one of those people. Because Alabama has been – and I said – 
I thought Kansas State and Houston will win on uh, um, predictions with Alex Ward. Go check that out. It was one of my favorite episodes to record. Episode 3. And we talked about our March Madness predictions. And I said Kansas State and Houston because I thought Houston had been the most consistent team. And I thought Kansas State had the tools. And guess who? Guess what? And I don't think Kansas State will win. I'm going to say, rec- go on record and say, Michigan State will probably beat them in the second round or Sweet 16. But then I thought Kentucky would win, and they've proved all the haters wrong. So they could do it. I still think Xavier had, or not Xavier, I still think Houston has a ways to go, especially if Marcus Sasser is still not 100%. As they're trying to, uh, beat Texas more than likely to get to the Final Four. However, if they do get to the Final Four or the championship, they have home court advantage. It's as simple as that. I mean, the tournament is literally, the championship is literally in Houston. It can't get any closer than that. But I I want to change that, my prediction. and I want to change it to Alabama versus Texas because I think Alabama and Texas have the potential Texas one was rocky they lost to Tennessee but they beat Kansas by 20 now I know Kansas went out and lost to Arkansas and whatever but I think Texas has the tools also Xavier is not a good three seed I don't care what you say they're the worst three seed go ahead say Kansas State but I don't really care I think Xavier is definitely the worst three seed so they're probably going to be by Texas. Houston should beat Miami, but hey, if Miami wins, that's even easier road for Texas. Alabama's got San Diego State and one of Creighton or Princeton. Creighton is a good six seed, but Alabama's just better. It's that simple. Brandon Miller can go out and win them a game by himself. He can. He's the best player in college basketball by a landslide. He should have been a National Player of the Year finalist, and I swear if it goes to Zach Eady. But he should have been a National Player of the Year finalist. He wasn't, probably because of all the controversy. Probably, controversy. probably shouldn't have been controversial, but it was, and it is. So what are you going to do about it? But they, But Alabama, I feel, is just better than everybody. They're just... Now I know it's the if they have a cold day, whatever. They're just better than everybody. It's as simple as that. So we're at about 17 minutes. So I'm gonna go ahead and I feel like I've said all my thoughts, but I wanna say one one last some a last closing thoughts. I wanna talk about, and I know we talked about Kentucky, but I just felt like that in hindsight, looking back, Kentucky would have been the sixth seed I would have wanted to play. Creighton is good. I would not have wanted to play Creighton. TCU is good. I would not have wanted to play them. Iowa State and Kentucky were the worst two six seeds. It was criminal that A&M got a higher – Texas A&M got a higher seed than us. That was absolutely criminal. But – I would have wanted to play Kentucky. And guess what? I just, like I said, that 
like I said in segment one, that shows where the program is. You should never want to play Kentucky. We're the we're gonna come into your house. We're gonna beat you. We're gonna be and we're going to win. And we were always the swaggy bunch. The we're gonna come into your house. We're gonna beat you by twenty, and we're gonna leave, and we're gonna act like nothing happened. But guess what? We got South Carolina's coach calling us the kitty cats. We got Kansas State's Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang, first-year coach, never been a head coach, saying, yeah, history doesn't win you basketball games. None of those old guys are coming back, and we have more dudes than they do. Guess who we are? We're Kentucky basketball. Guess who they are? They're Kansas State basketball. We are the better basketball team. Maybe not this year, but, I mean, like almost every other year we're better than Kansas State. It's like they shouldn't be able to talk to us like that. We should be able to talk to them like that. They should listen to us. They shouldn't be like, oh, well, we got more dudes. No, we got the better dudes. We got the more talent. We're better than you. And that that sucked. Like, that sucked as a fan to hear. Duke and Tennessee, I was really high on Duke coming into this tournament. And they they really honestly disappointed me with Flipitowski and Lively and um, Pro- Proctor and <clears throat> guys like that. They were playing a bunch of freshmen, and maybe that's what it was. But Duke really impressed me. John Shire, first-year coach, hats off to him. They Duke, I was so high on Duke, I was cheering for them. And now that now it makes me like scared, but I was so high on Duke, I was cheering for them. So, so I, I hated that they lost because I had them to my Final Four in a lot. But at this point, my bracket's like toasted, so it's like, well, might as well not even care anymore. I mean, I'm going to care, but like I'm not like rooting for a team, you know, in that sense. So I'm going to go ahead and go through and give you my Sweet 16 projections. So Alabama's going to beat San Diego State. Creighton's going to beat Princeton. Tennessee's going to beat FAU. And this is the shocker. Michigan State is going to beat Kansas State, even though I'm pretty sure they're the favorites. Houston's going to beat Miami. Xavier's, or Texas is going to beat Xavier. Or you, I think, I'll go on record and say this, I think Arkansas is going to beat UConn. Everyone's like super high on UConn. And I get it, UConn's good, but I'm not one of those people. Then, I'm going to say Gonzaga is going to beat UCLA. So that would leave us with Alabama versus Creighton. Got to go Alabama. Michigan State versus Tennessee. I'm going to have to go Michigan State. I really think that Tom Izzo knows how to win in March, and I think Michigan State's style with their big guys and the way they've been playing gives them an edge and a way that they can get to the Final Four then we have Xavier, Houston, Texas. It will be, I know, Houston versus Texas. It will be a great game, but I'm going to say Texas pulls that one out. Arkansas, Gonzaga. I'm going to say Gonzaga wins that. So Alabama, Michigan State, Houston, Gonzaga, or Texas, Gonzaga. I'm going to have to say Texas beats Gonzaga and Alabama beats Michigan State. And the champion, and so the winner will be Alabama. Versus Texas, the winner will be Alabama. The score, 68-74, and that's, that's my prediction.
If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I, I'm high on Arkansas and high on Eric Musselman, and I think they'll beat UConn, and that would be a big upset. And this has been Episode 5 of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Just to review real quick, we said, or I said, Alabama would beat Texas in the national championship 74-68. I said the state of Kentucky, the state of the program of Kentucky basketball is not in a good place. It's in a mediocre place. And as Kentucky, we shouldn't have to deal with that as Kentucky basketball fans. But with that being said, this has been Episode 5 of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Peace!